heart and soul of a nation, beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor. honor. Our soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. You're starting to see there's a great deal of pushback all over the country. You have and in a lot of professional industries. You see it in the education with teachers. You see it with policemen, firemen, professionals, corporations of all kind. Uh, and there, you know, there's a percentage of people of Americans that are saying, no, I'm not doing it, not doing a forced vaccine. And, you know, people are looking for religious exemptions, looking for medical exemptions, things of this nature. And, you know, some people just throw it all to the wind and say, you know what, uh, I, I don't even care about an exemption. I'm going to make a change in my life. You know, there was a, a teacher out of New York. In fact, I'll be having him on a future broadcast here. You know, he brought up an interesting point to me I wanted to share with you to start this Q&A off today. And it was that, and, and I didn't realize this at all, and, and I, I want to get Dr. Henry Ely's uh, opinion on this in just a moment here. Um, but what's happening is that some people are getting the uh, a sign-off, I guess, or somebody to sign off on it, uh, kind of a, a phony authorization or whatever you want to call it. I guess there are a lot of ways to do it. And as some sort of an approval mechanism to say, okay, I had the vaccine when they really didn't have the vaccine, figuring they outsmarted the system. But the interesting point, and the reason I bring up Tom and this teacher out of New York, he he brings up, that doesn't really help anybody out, he says to me, because what's happening is you're going along with it thinking they won. And then what's next when they force the next thing on you? And kind of makes you think a little bit, you know, as to, you know, might be you might consider that a quick early victory. But is it really a victory if we don't stand up for our freedoms? And that, that really does come down to the question. And it's such an assault on people right now that, you know, I think sometimes we lose sight of what the principal point of this debate is. You, you see what I mean? And, and that's something I think we want to talk with here. Let me bring on Dr. Henry Lee now. Uh, he's a licensed naturopathic doctor and founder of the Energetic Health Institute. He's the author of over 200 published works, a lead author on a series of these peer-reviewed research papers. He and his team have been, I mean, they've been remarkable. Really some of the heroes of COVID here, you know, we and we're blessed here in America. We're allowed to, to have this a sort of depth, if you will, of knowledge uh, is remarkable, which has allowed me to do these Q&As. And today we've got a lot of questions we're going to start, but I want to start there, uh, Dr. Ely, with um, this. It, it got me thinking, you know, I feel for people with this forced push vaccination and people are put in a very uncompromising situation. They should never be put in there to begin with. They're having to make difficult decisions within families. There's unrest within careers and jobs. There's unrest. People are leaving those careers uh, because sometimes it's health, sometimes it's religious, sometimes it's just they don't want the darn thing. Whatever it is, it's a sad day in America where we have to explain why it is we don't or you know want or want not you know not want something to put in our body. I find it very weird. But what about this principal point that Tom brings up, the teacher out of New York I was talking about, where he says, you know, it's kind of wrong if you're cheating the system just to cheat the system for the moment. It's kind of a quick victory. But in the long run, it's not a quick victory because it shows that they've won and you've succumbed to their demands. Mm-hmm. What do you say to that? Well, I'm going to agree with them 100 uh, percent. I think 
um, you know, we've all been faced with this challenge of, of how do we, how do we navigate these, these waters that should never, we should never find ourselves in, you know, um, it's, it's shocking to me that the judicial system and legislative systems haven't, uh, branches haven't come in to really check all this executive authority, this vast overuse of executive authority to the point where, you know, we know that the mandates are violating the, uh, EUA laws in place, uh, chapter 21 of the United States code 360 BBB. We know that there's gross violations of our informed consent laws, uh, 45 CFR 46. And we know that this, these mandates are just unethical because all of these um, biologics are still in clinical trial definitively. You just have to go to the NIH to confirm this. They're all still in clinical trial. Nothing has been FDA approved, certainly FDA fully approved. So there, there's so many things wrong with this, but I think what people are doing is adding to that wrong when they, um, when they try to get around the system and get these, uh, you know, these temporary victories that ultimately in the long run are going to make things even worse. Because like you said, and like Tom said, you're going along with something that is wrong, you know, and it, it's more important for us to stand our ground, in my opinion. Uh, now, I'm not going to try to get myself in, in people's unique situations because there's people should never be in these situations. Right. Exactly. And black markets pop up because of these kind of things. Right. right. But I, I just think it's uh, I think it's something we have to step back and say, hey, I'm not going to participate in segregation. I'm not going to participate in forced vaccination and giving up my basic civil liberties. And if that means that I have to take a hiatus from society for X amount of period until we win this, then I have to do that. And that's the sacrifices we have to make. So I'm really proud of the larger group of people who are saying no and saying, I'm not going to operate outside of integrity. I'm just going to tell you to fire me. I, I, I have the utmost respect for those people. There it is right there, man. That is uh, that is exactly the point. I, I thought that was an interesting place to start. I think within the series of uh, questions we have today, and I, I there are probably some on the vaccine. We'll get to that in a bit. I want to start here right up front uh, mm -hmm. with Dan. And uh, Dan says, my wife and I just watched a video presentation with you, Dr. H, and mm -hmm. uh, Dr. McCullough, and Dr. Gold. We mm -hmm. live in uh, Oregon, um, and we learned that our current health medical system, Peace Health, has no early treatment protocol for COVID-19, only the mm -hmm. vaccine. Mm -hmm. How do we connect with a provider with the naturopathic medicine network? Uh, and they say, to finish up here, uh, through America's frontline doctors, we were able to get a prescription filled for an early treatment kit, including ivermectin. But after listening to your testimony of treating a COVID patient, we realized we needed to make a shift of treatment thinking harmonious. Mm -hmm. Please mm -hmm. make a recommendation. Well, uh, it's a great question. And I, I wish we could say, hey, you could just go to this one website and you can find all the naturopathic doctors you need. Uh, it's embarrassing to me that most naturopaths have been very silent. While most naturopaths support freedom of speech, they've been eerily silent for the most part on this um, in, in terms of speaking out. Now, so what I would, what I would encourage people to do is to um, do your, con your due diligence as a consumer and start shopping around for, for naturopathic doctors. And I think the best and first question you can ask them is, uh, is, is do they support the mandates. And if they say they support the mandates, then you know that's not an ND or a provider for you. And if they say, absolutely not, I don't support the mandates, then you know you have somebody that you can continue into a conversation and see if there's a fit there. But I think you're going to have to shop for 
uh, indie. And I think it's a, a good shopping experience because you'll learn a lot in that process until you find the right person. Let me ask you, is that a potato, potato kind of thing, uh, uh, naturopathic or what do you call it? Naturopathic? Is that a potato, potato kind of thing? I think it's potato, potato. We, we, you know, NDs, you know, NDs, some NDs like to be called NMDs, naturopathic medical doctors. Some are traditional like me and just naturopathic doctors. Fine. Doctor comes from the Latin root dociere. It means to teach. So those of us that really champion ourselves as, as teachers are consider ourselves just NDs. But if you say naturopathic versus naturopathic is one wrong or right or no no it's it's a part of the country you're from all right right. (laughs) well my accent comes from pluto as you know so that would explain (laughs) a lot right there brother so i mean people say what did you say well that's exactly it all right the next one comes from trish uh, and she says, uh, my question is on chronic fatigue syndrome post-COVID-19 infection. Mm-hmm. My 79-year-old mother is completely wiped out. She had the J&J shot back in March and came down with COVID last month. She immediately got the monoclonal treatment and is now mm-hmm. negative for the virus, but now has no energy for anything. And I hear this actually from a lot of people, Dr. Lee. Mm-hmm. Thank you for all the amazing work you're doing. So she's looking for advice on, and this is this is a real problem. And I thought, I know you've got some real good answers for this, but a lot of people are experiencing what her mom is. It's fatigue, total, total fatigue. What do you say? Um, I, I want to first say that I would be talking with my healthcare providers about a very important study from the University of California, San Diego and the Salk Institute that showed that the spike protein was in and of itself enough to be injurious to the mitochondria. Mitochondria are little organelles within each cell that are responsible for producing energy. So if, uh, since you're uh, in this situation, the mother had uh, received the J and J shot, then what's happening is there is a potential production of spike protein uh, in her body still post inoculation. And that, that, that production of spike protein in her body is enough to um, injure mitochondria and disrupt the energy production pathways. Additionally, you, I would be looking at um, basic things like a strong multivitamin with at least 100 milligrams of B5 panathenic acid in it. Because when we get a strong multivitamin, oftentimes uh, maybe the mitochondria are going to uh, just be deficient in some key nutrients. And the B-complex are essential. The B-complex vitamins in therapeutic amounts are the essential for the production of energy and reversing that kind of uh, fatiguing uh, pattern. But this could be a long, um, long-term effects, Malcolm, of the post-inoculation, the experimental inoculation. Uh, this next one is from April. Uh, she says, I'm currently 32 weeks pregnant. And I was wondering what protocol you'd recommend if I were to be exposed to COVID. What is Mm -hmm. a safe dosage for vitamin D and other vitamins that will still be effective for early intervention? Very good question. And uh, I I would point everybody, including the uh, person from the previous question, Malcolm, I'd point them to covidcon21.com. We have free resources on there. One of them is on immune priming and early treatment. So we've collected a lot of information, a lot of empirical uh, evidence and everything. And and we have some direct recommendations. So that's covidcon21.com immune. uh, And you want to go to prevention and early treatment under free resources. Uh, So when we look at a question like this, very, very simple, um, you know, we say moms, first and foremost, 
if you're just taking daily nutrients, you're doing wonderful for yourself. If you're really practicing immune priming, we know that the, um, the amounts that are, that we've put together for immune priming, uh, which is a preventative strategy has, is, is, are totally safe with expectant moms, but we would encourage everyone always talk with your OBGYN before you do anything, right? Always, but you take these recommendations to your OBGYN and you talk with them about it and, and you get their feedback and they might have a different point of view. And if they really start poo-pooing nutrition, ask them how much nutrition they actually studied. Cause we know from a, uh, the national Academy of sciences that most medical doctors receive, uh, under 20 hours of, uh, of nutrition in their entire medical training. So that's basically a weekend seminar that most doctors get at best. So they may not be qualified, sadly, to talk about nutrition, but you still want to work with your OBGYN. Uh, what I would say is that the amounts for something like vitamin D for an expecting mom 32 weeks in, I would have no problem in my practice recommending a mom have 5,000 IUs of vitamin D3 a day. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even blink at it. Um, and we would want to make sure in subsequent checks, Malcolm, that um, when her blood is drawn, that her vitamin D levels stay at or above 50 nanograms per milliliter, 50 nanograms per milliliter um, in terms of vitamin D. And this doesn't matter whether you're expecting mom or just some uh, 79 year old uh, grandma, it does not matter. 50 nanograms per milliliter. We have three conclusive large studies that show when you're 50 nanograms per milliliter of vitamin D or greater in your bloodstream. It is a, it is a virtual certainty that you recover from any infection and the likelihood of hospitalization is virtually nil. All right. Wow. Great answer. Uh, this next one is from Lisa. I've been a federal employee for 30 years due to the recent mandates. I'm being coerced into getting the COVID vaccine by November 8th. Mm. I have two copies of the gene mutation which has caused a myriad of health problems for me and my body is simply not deficient at processing and detoxing medications, chemicals, etc. Mm -hmm. I had the first Moderna vaccine back in April and I deeply regret it. Mm -hmm. A few days after the shot, I began suffering neurological uh, symptoms, mm -hmm. including extreme memory loss, confusion, and twitchy arms and fingers. Wow. Mm -hmm. I decided that I would not get the second shot until I felt like my body had fully processed and recovered from the first shot. I am not there yet. My question is, are people able to obtain a medical exemption from the vaccine? If so, how would I go about finding a doctor who understands what I am going through and would be willing to sign an exemption form? I've run into roadblocks with my doctors and it seems impossible if an exemption is impossible, do you know some way I can protect my body from the toxins and chemicals of this vaccine? Chelation therapy, maybe? Mm. Uh, and, and you know, she, goes, she wraps it this way, just to show you the pressure people are under. My salary supports a large family, and I'm not sure what we would do if I get fired. Do you have suggestions? Mm -hmm. So a couple of things here, Dr. Ely. First of all, you know, she's talking about uh, the, the damage from the vaccines, clearly, and the impact in your body. And then the threat that's been put onto her and the roadblocks and trying to get an exemption. Mm -hmm. And she's running into roadblocks. And then, you know, how does she, but the other thing I get a lot of, and I just want to point out when she says, if an exemption is impossible, do you know of some way that I can protect my body from all the toxins and chemicals in this vaccine? Uh, you know, I'm hearing that question a lot. And I, I'm wondering what you say to that. Well, we got, uh, we have a couple things in here. And I think the first thing I'd like to do is educate the audience that 
coercion is a specific violation of informed consent laws. 45 CFR 46, and I would encourage everyone to go and read through those laws. Uh, 45 CFR 46, those are our informed consent laws that were put on the books following the Belmont report, which was produced uh, after investigation into the Tuskegee experiment. It, was, it has been widely agreed that you cannot threaten, mandate, or force someone to participate in an ongoing uh, clinical trial. And that's what's happening right now all around our country. Uh, so that would be my first thing I would do is I would go to my business as the potential arbiter of this and say, are you aware that you are violating informed consent laws and that you are attempting to coerce me into doing something I don't want to do because uh, this, these are still in the experimental phase. And I would start that conversation with my, my employer first. After I started that conversation, we have on covidcon21.com a um, how to deal with mandates. You know, uh, this, it doesn't, it's not foolproof. It's not guaranteed to work in every situation, but we've heard of it working a great deal. We've also unfortunately heard some stories where the concept didn't work, that the, the, the business just elected to break the law. Um, so what I would say to uh, people is, is ask questions of the of your employer, put them on record that they are in violation of informed consent laws, 45 CFR 46. After that, I, instead of going the route of medical exemption, which are ridiculously hard to come by for some reason, uh, I would then file a religious exemption, but I would file a religious exemption with it being notarized. This is one of the key things we've learned in the last couple of weeks is to make sure that you notarize all of your um, religious exemptions because that makes it a legally standing document. And if somebody refuses, if an employer refuses to accept that, they are in violation of Title VII of the 1964 Civil Rights Act. So you have them on discrimination, you have them on coercion, you're, they're violating multiple laws with these attempts to mandate. They're violating 21 USC 360 BBB, they would be violating 45 CFR 46, and they would be violating Title VII of the 1964 Civil Rights Act. And I think it's important to push back on your employers for those things and let them know that you'll take them to task on it. What's unconscionable to me, Malcolm, is that you have a situation where there is a definitive adverse event, definitive post-inoculation injury, and that doctors are refusing to say, you know what, you get a medical exemption. Instead, what they're saying is that you should go and get the second shot. This is the exact same thing they said to Simone Scott, the 19-year-old from Northwestern University, and what it led to was an open heart uh, uh, heart replacement for her after the second shot. And that ultimately, because her body was still producing the spike protein, we know to be injurious, it ended up killing the second heart too. And she died shortly after receiving that. So that was an otherwise healthy young girl with a 99.99% um, recovery rate, according to CDC stats. And they coerced her into taking uh, two shots, even after she was injured by the first shot and it led to her death. So what I would say to people who are, who are put in this horrible position is exhaust every measure you can before and force them to put you in a position where they fire you, 
I mean, unfortunately, because that's going to be your recourse. You cannot feed your family when you are dead or if you are permanently disabled. And there have been over 26,000 reports of permanent disability as well, which is grossly underreported happening right now. So you have to weigh all of these. Now, when it comes to dealing with a um, adverse event, one of the things that we've put on the show, Malcolm, I think we have a whole, um, I think we have a whole segment on it on Energetic Health Radio is uh, that We've have a couple of cases, this small sample size, where we have used fasting in conjunction with some key nutrients, and it is proven to be very successful. So there are options potentially out there, and again, discuss them with your healthcare team. But we're big proponents uh, right now of uh, of fasting, three day water fasting, with key nutrients like L-arginine uh, and glutathione and things like that to help the body overcome the effects of, of previous inoculation injury. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, I, I'm always interested in the fast and I've done the 72 hour thing. It's not an easy thing to do by the way, doctor. Nope, it's right. not, but, it, but it's one of the, it's the best medicines are free. And that is one of the best wow. medicines we have. How often do you do that? Can I ask you? Uh, I do uh, three day water fasting uh, every month. And then I do, uh, so I do one per month mm-hmm. as a uh, maintenance and I do uh, daily intermittent fasting. I do 16 hours um, of right. zero calories every day, one day to the next. Right, right, right. So if I get on you with you one day on the line and you're really, really grumpy, can I assume you're maybe at the, six, six, <laughs> the 65th hour of that fasting brother? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm walking. If I'm talking really slow yeah, too, yeah, yeah. yeah, that, yeah. Well, I've sure. seen that before. No, no, no. <laughs> but um, it is it is uh, interesting. The fast and there's so many benefits to it. I, I'm really fascinated with this uh, part of it. But um, anyway, so I want to mention to folks as well that uh, Dr. Lee's uh, program, Energetic Health Radio, uh, plays on America Out Loud Talk Radio. If you didn't know that, it plays on Saturday and Sunday. In fact, right in the afternoon, it's right after the McCullough Report. It plays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, noontime Pacific. You hear it anywhere in the world, of course, on iHeartRadio. Uh, and uh, so I just want to mention that to you all so you're aware of that. You can hear him and uh, his uh, a bigger message there at uh, Energetic Health Radio. Okay. Uh, all right. So here's a little more compl- uh, complicated one. Let me see if I can get this out here. This is from Susan. Mm-hmm. I am a 79-year-old woman who has decided not to receive any injection. Instead, I exercise and eat a healthy vegan diet. I take zinc, uh, vitamin C, quercetin, vitamin D, ivermectin. I also gargle with, is, is that, how do you pronounce it? Cetlipredinium, cetlipredinium chloride? Oh, it's one of the, it's, it's from the Rutgers study. Um, it's one of the, it's one of the ones that have been successful in, in okay. potentially lowering. lowering well, it's a, it's, a, it's a mouthful. It's a 25 syllable word. Settle up for chloride after being in an indoor public space. I would like to know if ivermectin loses its effectiveness over time rather than taking it generally. Would it be better for me to just start taking it, uh, if I think I've been in contact with someone who has come down with COVID, see a lot of people look at ivermectin, they think it's an on and off switch kind of thing. And I don't mm-hmm. get the sense it is that way at all. Um, is my guess. What do you say to that? You know, I, I, I think the first thing is we, we should be very cautious about being afraid of, of getting infected when we are in good state of health and we have good nutrient status. I think, you know, for me, it was one of the things I was looking forward to was actually contracting this. And I know everybody has a different, um, you know, a different experience with this. And I know that people have different philosophies. I'm just stating mine. I, I 
felt like my immune system was primed to handle it. Um, it was a rough couple of days when I, I did contract it. Uh, and I could see where it could be really bad for people who are nutrient deficient. So I think immune priming is, is a, a key strategy. It sounds like in this case, the person is doing it. Um, what, I would, uh, what I would say about ivermectin is I, I don't have a lot of clinical experience with it. That would probably be a better question for Dr. Pierre Corey and the, and the frontline um, critical care um, doctors, FLCCC. Uh, because I'm sure they have more experience using it prophylactically. What I will say is that when you go to c19early.com, c19early.com, which does, I think, in my opinion, the best collection of empirical evidence uh, for every early treatment, they have a great page on ivermectin. And one of the things I remember it saying is, I want to say it was like an 86% success rate in prophylaxis so that wow. it could be used as a, as a true preventative. I don't have experience with using it in that way, and I don't have experience with it long-term, so I wouldn't want to mislead anybody, but I do think it's uh, something that is a good question for a person who's more qualified to answer it. Okay. Um, and, you know, real quickly, let me just uh, throw this in. She wraps it up with this. I don't know if this is uh, of interest here. Finally, what do you think of oil pulling using mm -hmm. coconut oil with an <laughs> antiviral essential oil, such as thieves, for killing COVID virus? <laughs> I, I think that if we, I think oil pulling is a Ayurvedic tradition um, that has been used for, uh, for thousands of years for keeping the um, subacute infections under the gum line mm -hmm. at bay. It's typically used with uh, sesame oil or with uh, coconut oil, which has lauric acid in it, which um, basically you just start swishing the the oil between your teeth and it, it, it will coat your gums and it will penetrate beneath the gums and, and kill any subacute infection. So it's, it's, it's actually very effective. Um, using it with thieves oil, which is going to be a concentration of essential oils, I think would be overkill and unnecessary and even potentially harmful. I, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that to anybody. Um, and what I, and what I would say in this situation is, is we, if you're in a really good state of health, if, you, if you're under 65, if you have no pre-existing conditions, if you have strong nutrient status, especially with vitamin D levels above 50 nanograms per milliliter, we need everybody to take a step back and stop being afraid. Stop mm -hmm. being afraid of getting sick. Stop being afraid of contracting it. It is a foregone conclusion that you are going to be exposed to the SARS-CoV-2 virus. It is a foregone conclusion at some point your body will mount an immune response to it. It's a foregone conclusion that if you're above 50 nanograms per milliliters, there is over a 99% likelihood of recovery. Um, and so there should be no fear, in my opinion, based upon this. And we shouldn't be seeing behavioral adaptations because we're afraid of getting sick. Let's not turn into a society of hypochondriacs. Let's turn into a brave society of people who are prepared to handle any infection because we're doing a great job of taking care of this gift of life and this wonderful body that we've been given. Amen to that, brother. Uh, and uh, we're speaking to Dr. Henry Ely here uh, on this Q&A. And uh, these uh, programs, these Q&As we've been doing are the most listened to um, programs on uh, the network. And uh, we do them here on The Voice of a Nation. And I'm thrilled and, and really appreciative of uh, Dr. Henry Ely and Dr. Peter McCullough uh, for being part of these Q&As. We're able to answer some of the questions we get in here. We are getting uh, so many questions into the network here. We do our best, my friends, to get them out to you, uh, these answers. And so believe me, and I, 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 
I feel such passion to want to help as many people as we can. So I, I do it because I really want to help folks get this valuable, valuable information. Uh, big thank you to that uh, last question there uh, from Susan, that 79-year-old woman. That was a very fascinating question, uh, which I learned a few things talking about the oil pulling uh, in all too. So you always learn something from these as well. It's, I, I just find them fascinating. You know, Dr. Ely talks about the fear there. Oh, my God. He's so right when he talks about the fear. And, you know, and he's saying, listen to what he said there. I mean, go back later and re-listen to that when it goes to podcasts. But like saying, it's we don't want to become a society that, you know, where everything is induced by fear and all of our decision making is driven that way. I mean, you know, that's just not the right way to live. And fear and stress will kill us on its own merit. We won't need a virus at that point, believe me. I, I mean, it's just a fact, people. So quality of life is really, really important. The other thing here is we pause here a moment on this Q&A with Dr. Henry Ely is healthy cell. Uh, I've been taking it for over three and a half years. Uh, the thing is, a lot of people don't like pills. I, I, don't, I mean, it's just as a fact. I don't mind them myself. I don't have any problem whether it's a pill or liquid. I just want the benefits from it, whatever it is, you know. And, and I do the fashion thing as well that Dr. Lee talked about, not as religious as he does it now. I knew he was on the other end of that. That's why I asked him the question. I was curious. And I figured he wouldn't deny me the answer since we were on air, right? So he'd tell me. But uh, <laughs> But, you know, uh, this, um, so the healthy cell, the reason a lot of people really like it is it comes in gel form. One of the things I, I do know about this is that the gel form, the liquid form does get into your body and your cells. The health of your cells is what this is all about. And it does that a little quicker, faster than some of the pills, granted. But again, I take all of it. I take both the gel form and I take the pills as well. I'm, I'm, I'm double dosing here uh, to stay healthy so I can be here for you all and fight the battles, right? You never know when the next flu virus or problem is coming down the, the line here, and I want to be ready. Uh, so anyways, I recommend it. All our listeners get 20% off that first order, by the way. Just use out loud is the code for that. Or, or just go to healthycell.com forward slash out loud. And you'll see the whole host of products there. And uh, or just click the banner ad back at America Out Loud. Again, I've been taking it for three and a half years. They've been, I support them. I love the product line. And they're classy people. Uh, but they have REM sleep, focus. Uh, they have the daily regiment, they have immune super boost, a, a whole host of products and a new one, AC11, which by the way, is a teaser. I just had the product sent to Dr. Ely to try. So curious to get his uh, valuable input on that. Uh, so you'll hear that in just the pause here. And we're going to take that quick break, my friends, and we'll return on the other side with lots more questions. You're listening to the voice of a nation. Listen to Malcolm, the voice of a nation, on iHeartRadio or our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. Let's get real. Let's get loud. On America Out Loud Talk Radio, this is McCullough Report. Are you tired of your tired vitamins? Consider Healthy Cell. These are pill-free vitamins that are in convenient gel packs. Uh, I like the Focus and Recall supplement. I use this a lot. You know, your brain uses a lot of energy and it depends on a variety of micronutrients and vitamins. Boost your short-term focus and long-term brain power with Healthy Cell's Focus and Recall Vitamins. So go to HealthyCell.com, use the code OUTLOUD, all capital letters, OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of any Healthy Cell product. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Each of us is born with 30 trillion cells that make us. These cells determine how we feel, perform, sleep, focus, and how long we live. And to live our best life, all we have to do is feed our cells. 
but most food and supplements don't reach our cells, keeping us from reaching our full potential. Make every cell count with Healthy Cell. Founded with a mission to empower people to take control of their own health at the most fundamental level, Dr. Vincent Jampapa, world-renowned cell researcher and medical doctor, created supplements that work at the cellular level to boost immune health, sleep better, focus deeper, and stay younger longer. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of any product. And that's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L. And use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Today, America stands at the crossroads of history. Our actions will determine the fate of our nation. Well, that journey starts here and starts now. We invite you to join us in making the ultimate difference. Subscribe to our podcast and newsletters. Turn notifications on and stay in the know. You'll find all that back at AmericaOutloud.com. Liberty and justice for all. The silent majority has spoken. We say, let the silent voices be heard. You can be the voice of change. Contact our producer at libertyatamericaoutloud.com. Libertyatamericaoutloud.com. And we join you back here on The Voice of a Nation. It is Malcolm out loud here. Yours truly, thank you for being with me on the mission. It is always my privilege uh, to be in your company and have you uh, part of the program here. Uh, listen, these are important programs. I, I take such pride and I, I really do in doing these Q&As. They're so important. And I'm thrilled that you've trusted us here at America Out Loud with these so important questions. Uh, we have Dr. Henry Ely here with us today. And uh, he's a tremendous force out there, has put so much effort. I mean, again, the, the, the best of the best. Uh, his show, Energetic Health Radio, plays here on the weekends on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Now, all of our shows are on the network. You can hear it on iHeartRadio. If you've got the app or anything on iHeart, you just look us up one time. America Out Loud Talk Radio will come up as your favorite every time. It's perfect. We have our own apps as well, Apple, Android, Alexa. And you know why they're great? Well, not just because they're free, but they work. And they're, they're really cool. We have a great family of Apple. There's all over the world, uh, beyond our country. A lot of Australians, a lot of Europeans love to listen to America Out Loud Talk Radio. It is the home of liberty and justice for all. So why wouldn't they, right? They want their liberty and justice as well. All the shows after talk radio go to podcast. We're on a whole litany, hundreds of podcast networks, all of them. I mean, iHeart, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, you name it, we're on them all. And uh, just look us up there. And again, all our columns, articles, great advice, great uh, educational information is all back at America Out Loud. Now, remember, all of our information here and everything I'm doing with you on these Q&As is educational purposes. Doesn't replace your doctor, doesn't replace that valuable information on that one-on-one -on -one relationship you have personally. So please always know to follow that up, okay? Uh, this is, again, educational. Try to get the information out to make people think a little bit, I think is more than anything what it is. Let's get back to the questions here, Dr. Ely. And this next one is from Sandia. Sandia is, I think, how you pronounce that. Uh, thanks for all your content and support. I live in San Francisco, California. 
Uh, vaccines are about to be mandated here for children five through 11 for public and private schools. California does not have an exemption option for all other required vaccines and Governor Newsom may not allow an exemption for COVID-19 vaccine either. What is your suggestion on how to deal with this, Dr. Ely? Um, my suggestion is to take your kids out of school. Um, you know, I, I am just abhorred by the hubris of one person over a state of tens of millions thinking that he or she, depending upon the, the state, has the right to tell everybody what to do. It's, a, it's egregious, and it's a violation, like we said before, of 21 USC 360 BBB. It's a violation of 45 CFR 46, and uh, it's, it's a violation of our basic constitutional rights to decide what goes into and upon our bodies and parental rights that are implicit that we, as guardians of our children, have the right to decide until they are of age uh, what uh, goes into their bodies. Uh, it is appalling to me, Malcolm, that when we go to the CDC uh, data sets through October 6th, that um, children under a 18 years of age have a 99.99% recovery rate from this infection, a 99.99% recovery rate. That is, just, that is the highest recovery rate you can possibly have for any infectious disease. And you know, and, and yet and still they are saying that these children should be eligible for an experimental product, an experimental product that doesn't have um, the uh, efficacy behind it, as we have seen with all the breakthrough cases, certainly doesn't have the safety behind it. When we look at the, um, the vaccine adverse events reporting system data, which is primarily made up of of licensed healthcare reports, it's not something that people are just flooding with, you know, arbitrary fraudulent um, uh, submissions. And so we did a little analysis on this. Uh, we looked at what was the potential gain of benefit in these age ranges uh, versus, the, um, versus the risk of injury. When we look at just CDC data for infection and CDC data, data for the inoculation injury. And uh, when we did this uh, in August, it was uh, 15, there's a 15.8 times greater risk of injury for children under 18 uh, then there is gain of benefit. 15.8 times greater risk of injury than there is gain of benefit. And one of the big reasons is because there is no potential gain of benefit because the re recovery rates are 99.99%. This is all CDC data. It is appalling that we have people voting in favor of these using these experimental products on children when there is no necessity and when there is clearly alternatives for situations where a child might become infected. We have immune priming, we have ivermectin, we have hydroxychloroquine, we have high dose nutrients, we have monoclonal antibodies. We have so many things that can be used should a child with a 99.99% .99 recovery rate um, find themselves infected. This is not something that is dangerous for children under any circumstances, and anyone telling you that is lying, and they need to be held accountable for their lies. Next one's from Kylie. Uh, I live in Michigan. I am six classes away from applying to physician assistant programs, and my university is requiring the COVID injection in order for me to take these classes. I have uh, an asthma and an inflammatory auto, autoimmune disease. 
I'm searching for a provider that will grant a written medical exemption. Do you know of anyone practicing in Michigan or otherwise with similar mm -hmm. values? I'm sure there are plenty of great people in Michigan with similar values. You have to do your homework to search to everybody listening is to go the religious exemption route is to you go through a process of submitting um, very poignant questions. We've put together 15 of them on the covidcon21.com website uh, under free resources. You ask your employer or your school these questions you make them respond to them. They won't be able to answer all of them and therefore they will not be able to fulfill the tenets of informed consent on these products. And then after that, you file your religious exemption that is notarized back to that organization, school or employer, and you force them to honor the uh, Title VII of the 1964 Civil Rights Act and that they will not and cannot discriminate against you. This is not a vaccine issue. This is a discrimination issue. And we have to look at it through the right lens. Mm, that's that's great. I love what you say there. I also love the fact uh, that uh, Dr. Lee brings up, uh, friends, the notarization of them. I really think that's kind of uh, uh important here uh, because you're taking out every measure you possibly can to let these people, you're not going to be uh, threatened uh, or as you say, coerced in any way. Um, I'm, I'm going to group these next two together uh, because they're very similar in nature. And, and I get a lot of these kinds of questions and, and uh, you know, you might have some, I'm hoping you have a thought on this, but this first one's from Richard. Very simply, he says, is there anything that can be done after taking the J&J &J vaccine to limit the damage? We sort of touched a little bit on that earlier. And then Liz says, my husband is being forced to take the vaccine by the end of November. What can I do to treat him afterwards to mitigate the effects? Please help me. There you go. I think the first thing is, is let's, let's be very clear about being forced. Being threatened with job loss is not being forced. Being threatened with being able, unable to go to school is not being forced. It's being threatened and coerced. Being forced is being held down and somebody forcibly putting that needle into you. So what I'm saying with that first, Malcolm, is we have to accept that we have choices we can make. And I think some of those, if we really believe what we believe in, are going to require us to ask an important question. Do I want to work for someone who thinks they own my body? Do I want to go to a school where they think they own my body? Do I want to participate in, in some way with those businesses that think that slavery is okay, that think that they have a right to tell me what to do with my body? I wouldn't. And that would be put me in a situation where there's no way I'm getting this and there's no way I'm working for somebody that thinks they have the right to do this. My encouragement to everyone, regardless of situation, is to, is to go through a formal process of forcing the uh, business or the school to fulfill informed consent with key questions and then come back with a religious exemption, um, which isn't, you're not asking permission for them to accept the religious exemption and, and these businesses don't have a right to weigh on it. The religious exemption is simply a statement of fact that you are saying, here is my religious exemption. You are required to uh, honor it under Title VII of the 1964 Civil Rights Act. Um, I, I think that when we start looking at it through that lens, it changes the conversation or it should for us. Now, if someone does elect to um, use their freedom to uh, participate in the experiment, I support them in doing so. And afterwards, if they are, are looking at how to detox or how to deal with 
uh, any post-inoculation syndrome or something like that, we have very small sample size of, of water fasting being effective. And we've, we've shared that information for people to use and uh, to, I should say, to have to discuss with their healthcare team. But um, I, I think we have to stop saying that I'm being forced to do something against my will. No, you still have the choice. The choice may suck, but you still have the choice. And to me, I'm, there's no way I'm working for someone that believes they own my body. There's no way I'm sending my child to a school that believes they can, they own my child's body. That's not happening. And we have to hold the line here if we really believe in what we believe in. You know, you got to love this because uh, Dr. Ely, uh, he uh, preaches and practices what we call the out loud truth, right? It's the out loud truth, Dr. Ely, mm -hmm. right? May, mm -hmm. may not always feel good, but the truth is not designed to feel good. It is a fact. And I appreciate your your, your frankness there and talking about that. Let me also say, if you, there's a dish, a lot of, you know, if you want to listen to a lot of the great podcasts from Dr. Ely and a lot of the res other resources, just go to our team uh, and look up Dr. Henry Ely on the navigation bar at America Out Loud or under shows and look up Energetic Health Radio. But at the very top of that, you'll see uh, there's three particular posts before you get his whole feed of uh, great content and taking the fight to the employer or school. COVID questions and exemptions is a phenomenal piece. Hmm. And it's right there. There's another one near it, post-vaccine injury, a case study. This was one of these case studies he was talking about earlier. It's remarkable. And another one on COVID-19 investigation, empirical evidence for preventive strategy. So a lot of great resources and information here, as well as COVIDCon 21, which you've been hearing Dr. Lee talk about and uh, what's happening there. All right. S says, what about setting up an independent registry, independent for those who have been harmed by the vaccines? Um. I think we have one of those registries set up in the vaccine adverse events reporting system. Is that independent? Um, That's why I, I wasn't sure. Is that various you're talking about? That, that it's, it's not independent. It's controlled by the CDC. And we know that they've deleted substantial numbers of data at several points. Um, and we, we've caught them doing it. Uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, a, a separate registry would be uh, great. I, I, one of the things I would encourage people to do if you're going to take on a project like that is to make sure what you're espousing and telling um, it are, is the story of the injured, uh, you know, and, and the families and, and the impact of it. And don't get, make it a medical thing. We have, to, we have to get this back into human terms. And so much of this has been, you know, projection models and fraudulent data and, you know, fear-based, you know, narratives and things like that. And what we've lost is, is the human casualties, the, the human condition that is being just trampled upon and, and being forced into unnecessary suffering. So make sure you bring those stories to the forefront and let's put human faces on these numbers. Yeah, it's a lot of work, but it, it clearly could be done. Another registry of the sorts that you're speaking about there. Okay, got a lot more to get through here. Let me get to Amy. Uh, my husband and I made the decision earlier this year after a lot of thought that we do not feel comfortable receiving any of these COVID vaccines. We're both 35 years old. We feel that the unknown risk associated with the vaccines outweigh the risk of death with COVID for our age group. We both contracted COVID last week. We followed the eye mask protocol set forth by the FLCCC. We mm -hmm. treated ourselves aggressively and we both received the monoclonal antibody infusion. 
uh, last weekend. I do not feel like we, uh, I do feel like we narrowly avoided my husband having to go to the hospital. He's doing much better now. My symptoms were much more mild than my husband and, and mine took the GI tract rather than the respiratory. There you go. Mm -hmm. my, my, we understand that we cannot receive any vaccines for 90 days after we receive the monoclonal antibodies. My question is given the severity of our infections, will we have durable immunity for a lifetime? Oh, what a great question. I didn't know we were going there at the end. This is a great question. Yes, definitively, we know that there will be a long lasting, durable, immune logical response that's also flexible. So let me explain what all those mean. Number one, long term means that it's going to be at the ready, uh, thanks to memory cells, beta, uh, B cells that have transformed into memory cells um, for years. We know this. All right. We have studies showing that people 17 years after being infected by SARS-CoV-1, which is just called SARS-CoV, um, still had an immunological response ready 17 years later. So we know that these uh, uh, responses to natural infection for people who've recovered from natural infection are very long-term. Number two, when we talk about um, durability, it means that the um, immune system is going to be able to withstand new variants, flexibility. It's going to be able to go after new variants because you have been, um, a, you've developed an immunological response, not just to the spike protein. See, that's the, that's the folly of the, uh, of the um, experimental inoculations. They're just co-opting uh, in the Pfizer and Moderna case, they're just co-opting normal cell function to produce the spike protein that we know to be injurious, right? But they're not reproducing the entire genomic sequence, thank God, right? Um, when you are infected, you are exposed, your immune system is exposed to the entire genomic sequence. So, you, so your immune system develops a very broad series of antibodies that can handle different components of that viral strain. And then when new variants come in, it can recognize that even if they've changed uh, certain mutations. So it gives you that flexibility. We have uh, Dr. Paul Alexander, Dr. Peter McCullough, and, and Dr. Harvey Reich, and a few others, Dr. Howard Tenenbaum, published 91 studies. They've collected 91 studies proving that the uh, immunity developed post-infection is far superior to the immunity developed, the short-lived immunity developed post-inoculation, which we know starts waning after two months uh, based upon uh, DOD, Department of Defense reports that have come out. Um, so folks, it is, it is a slam dunk, no contest that the, um, immunity developed post infection is far superior to the immunity that's developed, uh, post inoculation. And you can go to brownstoneinstitute.org. Uh, I'll give you that link, Peter, to share with the audience, but you can go to brownstone, brownstoneinstitute.org to find this study of 91 studies proving that uh, post infection recovery and immunity developed therein is far superior to post uh, in, in inoculation um, immunity. Okay. And also uh, there's a, a post on uh, the platform uh, that uh, Dr. McCullough has with the- um, Oh, great. Uh, yeah. And it's raw. Uh, there are three studies, Raw, uh, raw Kramer, and Methodicus, mm -hmm. uh, which talk about exactly this. If you go to either the McCullough Report or Dr. Peter McCullough on um, AmericaOutloud.com, it's right at the very tip top. It's been one of the most read and looked at posts because it's full of great information about exactly what we're talking about here. So I want to get to this next one from Kerry. Uh, hello, Dr. Ely and team. 
I'm a grateful fan of all the incredible work you do. I live in Alaska, but I am reaching out in search of contacts you may have in Melbourne, Australia. My mm. dear friend lives there and is feeling completely isolated and hopeless given the oppressive climate. Mm-hmm. She, has now, uh, she has now a support system in her current home city. Uh, she has no, probably no support system, maybe. She lives alone, works from home, yes, and has been on lockdown for 20 months. I understand the need for connection with sane, like-minded people right now, and I sense she is in critical need of that. I'm reaching out to you in the hopes that you have contacts in the Melbourne area that could put us in touch with each other, whether it's an organization or just regular people. She's in desperate need of community. Thank you for considering and for the amazing work you do. Now, the reason I put this question, I left it in here, is because it brings up a lot of what you've been talking about with the fear and how we've been undermined as human beings and our basic rights and liberties. And she's talking about what's going on in Australia. We got a lot of Australians who write in here, Dr. Ely. And there's mm-hmm. another one here that Carrie has this good friend and they're being suffocated out there. And so she's asking any advice to that, any groups or anything else you know about in Melbourne? You know, the only uh, folks I know out in Australia that uh, have been doing really substantial work, and there's probably a great network there, is uh, Jonathan Otto's group. Um, and I oh, yeah. want to say it's under Vaccine Secrets or V Secrets. Um, I think it's vsecrets.com. But Jonathan Otto uh, has been doing a f- tremendous job and uh, he's brought me on to a few of his uh, his programs. And what's been amazing, Malcolm, is like we do a live and there'll be like we did a live and there were over 12,000 people on that live all interacting. So I, I think that would be where I would refer her to is okay. check out Jonathan Otto, V Secrets, get plugged into that community in Melbourne. And then I think from there, she can start developing some contacts of people who are very like-minded and very, um, and very supportive. And, you know, you got to hold your truth. You got to stand your ground, no matter what the fear is around you. But I, I do get the question as far as community goes. All right, mm-hmm. let me get one more. And this is from Mandy. And it's, uh, I am trying to find out if the COVID vaccines alter your DNA. I read somewhere they do, but can't find it now. Can you tell me? Um, you know, that's a question of whether or not they're mutagenic. And we know that we, we just saw some reports from the new oral therapeutic that Merck is attempting to put out that it is mutagenic. Uh, that just came out yesterday. I haven't read through that whole report. I just read through the synopsis on it. As far as these go um, as being potentially mutagenic, we don't have any data on that that I have seen. It doesn't mean that they aren't. It doesn't mean that they are, but it does mean that we don't have any data. And this is one of the concerns that we have when people are talking about something being safe and effective while it is still in clinical trial. When the clinical trials end and all of the data is collected, then we can start looking at, and we will probably know for certain whether or not these are mutagenic. I'd be surprised if they weren't, but um, anything, any talk on that would be speculative at this point. And I, I tend to refrain from doing that. So my, what I would say is I would hang my hat on that these are still in clinical trial. Moderna, the Moderna uh, NIAID, the Moderna Anthony Fauci um, so-called uh, vaccine uh, doesn't come out of clinical trial until October 27th, 2022. J&J doesn't come out of clinical trial until January 2nd, 2023. And the Pfizer BioNTech doesn't come out of clinical trial until uh, May of 2023. So these are all still definitively in clinical trial. And as such, we, we can say we don't know. And this is why we should not be unleashing something like this uh, on the American people, especially in a mandated form 
until we have more information about that specific question. And keep in mind, when they do come out of clinical trial, by the way, they're not going to be squeaky clean. I mean, I know I've talked about this plenty, Dr. Ely, but these are mm-hmm. not going to be squeaky clean deals because there's been, a, there's been a series of deaths far more than what a normal situation would be. And the injury factor of the vaccines is very serious. And of course, you are on top of all this as well. But that's one of the biggest problems here is that, yeah, they're experimental right now. But, you know, really and truly, when you get done with these clinical trials, they I mean, they should be pulled off now, but hell, how do they get a, they shouldn't be approved at that point. They should be put away on in the closet. No, am I right or wrong? Can I, can I, yeah, let me, let me just give a quick, quick side on that. So we have as of October 15th, a report of 17,128 deaths in the vaccine adverse events reporting system based upon whistleblower work from Tom Renz. We know that that is underreported by a factor of five. So you can multiply that by five. When we go and we look at how many deaths have occurred, Malcolm, within 48 hours, it's over 5,400 deaths have occurred within, excuse me, over 5,200 deaths have occurred within 48 hours post-inoculation. That's causation right there. By comparison, the uh, swine flu vaccine was pulled from production after 56 deaths. and And so that's our precedent. We have shot way past that precedent. And now they are trying to establish a new precedent where 17,000 people can die and it's okay. That's mm. wrong. Mm. I, you know, thank you. I, I wanted that. I'm glad we stuck that, snuck that right in there because I wanted you to hear. I'm, I'm so glad Dr. Ely said that because it's accurate. It's true. I've talked to Dr. McCullough many times about this. I'm well aware of what those stats are. And so you get the point, people. On average, you get 50 deaths and it's pulled off the shelf immediately. We're talking anything, any kind of a medication, any kind of a vaccine, anything that does that kind of harm, it, it's clearly not a success. Here, all the rules are out the window. And it's like the wild, wild west. It's remarkable. It's insanity. It's cruel. It's vicious. It's disgusting. And the fact that being people are put in this position is more than alarming. It is outrageous. It is a hit to humanity. It's all that we know. And that's why we stand on this ground. It's not that anybody here is anti-vax. We're anti-ridiculous crudeness and sanity and all of that nonsense, okay? That's what we're anti for the crazy people, you know? I mean, come on, you know? Big thank you here to Dr. Henry Ely. And uh, again, all the resources, covidcon21getbacktheer.com. He's got so much there. He's really put so much time and energy into this. Uh, a lot of these clicks and resources, again, uh, back at americaoutloud.com. You look up Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Henry Ely uh, under our team. And, uh, and, th- and there are others as well on our team. But friends, most important, take care of you. Take care of you or you're not going to be able to take care of anyone else around you. Uh, That's important. Our health is important. Our mind is important. And to really be blessed and get the fullest out of this life. These These are the things. And I wish you a jump in your step today. Thank you for joining me on the mission here. It's time to get involved and get loud.